You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Um, so he will not be joining me, and instead, regular listeners will know him as the super interesting guest that we've had in the past, and an absolute pleasure and, and good friend of mine. Uh, Jason Bernard is joining as my co-host. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm trying to replace Jim. I'm going to try to live up to his immense, immense talents and reputation. Well, it's, it, it, it's a tough thing to live up to, but if anybody is up for the challenge... It's going to be you. Um, so we have a lot, a lot to unpack this week. It, it has just been, you know what? Actually, regular listeners will be like, yeah, they say this every week. And every week it is true. There is always a lot of stuff um, that is going on. Uh, you have drawn my eye to some of the uh, most interesting stuff um, that, that's been going on. And, and I had missed um, last week's um search off the record podcast i I read some stories on it but i hadn't actually listened to it um then you drew my attention to it and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show um but for our listeners um stay tuned because the best is is yet to come um we're going to be talking about something that jason knows just an absolute boatload about and is incredibly important to fully wrap your brain around um and i look forward to learning uh jason from you um, as we're as we're talking uh, talking through this, but we have just some some news, I guess that that we should chat about. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as as for, for our listeners, uh, before the show, you you might find this interesting. Um, usually, Jim and I this time it was Jason and I sharing stories back and forth, and, and we had to rein ourselves in. Jim and I have gotten good at that. Jason and I had to rein ourselves in from just like having the full conversation uh, beforehand because yep. we're both so passionate about this space <laughs> that we just immediately start talking. Uh, we managed to like pull ourselves uh, pull ourselves back in. Yeah, uh, sorry, just quickly to cut in. That reminds me of my podcast. Is that I went around these conferences and people would be talking about things. We start this conversation. I say, "Oh, can we stop?" 
and then I can record the conversation as a podcast. And it's so hard to do because you get so carried away so quickly with the conversation with somebody who's delightful and insightful and passionate about it. And I think this is a similar situation. So I do appreciate that. It, it absolutely is. And folks, um, if you're deciding on your career path and you find yourself in the exact same spot that Jason and I today found ourselves in, just take that as a sign. You're doing the right thing with the right people. Um, and, and that's that's exactly what I, I sort of get reinforced every week when I'm doing this show, when I'm on great guests like you, every time we're chatting on Facebook or whatever, it's just like, yep, I'm doing what I love, surrounded by the people that I love. So, so what, what a blessing to be me. But that's not what people wanted to hear about. People are, are probably trying to figure out, hey, uh, what's going on and uh, what am I supposed to do about that? I'm going to start. You, you actually shared this story with me. I, I hadn't seen it until you shared it. Um, and this, I don't know how it, it possibly missed me, but we have to obligatory mention his name every week. So this is the great first opportunity. Last week, it was like 10 times. Barry Schwartz covered um, in search engine, uh, search engine roundtable. Um, today's statement of the obvious. To me, it just seems like a, a statement of the obvious. Google um, has noted, if you remove part of your site, mm. the site will rank differently. Is there something I'm missing here? To me, this is just like, Yes, I, I can't see how that wouldn't be true. I, am I missing anything? No, I don't think you are. But I think people are kind of naive about it. Is they think that their site lives in these kind of isolated buckets. And it doesn't. The whole site is a thing. And each individual bucket, the categories within it or the ontologies within it, and each page is its little bucket. And if you take away one of these chunks that I just call buckets, but... I'm not going to call chunks. <laughs> Sorry. Um, obviously, it changes the nature of the entire beast. And uh, one thing, and the reason I picked this out is because I did an experiment, is that I took calicube.com. Well, in fact, it was calicube.pro, and I removed one chunk and put it on calicube.com, another chunk and put it on calicubetuesdays.com, another chunk and put it on with jasonbarnard.com, and another chunk and put it on jasonbarnard.com. So I basically took my site and split it, exploded it into these different ontological chunks. And the effect was astonishing. Okay. The I can't let you leave it at the word astonishing. Um, so I, I, I'm going to cascade that. See, this is, I, I love that you did this. Um, and these are these wonderful, wonderful tests that people get to do with their own sites that I've done them to. Where it's like, well, I oddly as an SEO am not actually reliant on my rankings as much. And I can throw mine to the wolves if I want, because nobody gets mad at me if I do. <laughs> and I have time to fix the problem. Um, and I can pick a time when I can have time to fix the problem. You've done something that, if I was doing that for a client site, I'd be sitting there just like chewing at my fingernails going, there is no way to guarantee how this ends. So was, I, it's sort of a reverse, the sum greater than its parts. In this case, you broke the sum up into its parts. Were the sum of the parts bigger than the initial sum? The, the short answer is yes. But I would put a proviso on that is that I broke it up by logical entity chunks. It was ontologically sound what I was doing. So the idea of saying, oh, I can take this chunk of my site and move it somewhere else is absolutely fine. But you have to be incredibly smart about which chunks you're moving to where and how they then connect back to the original. 
and that's what I found incredibly interesting is I did it on a Sunday afternoon. On Sunday morning, I woke up and I thought, let's try something new. And as you say, it's my own site. If it all goes horribly wrong, who cares? And if I were doing this for a client, I would have charged them thousands of dollars. And when it went wrong, I would have charged them thousands more dollars to put it all right. But because it's me, I charge myself nothing. I bought myself a pizza, spent the afternoon splitting one site, CaliCube.pro, into five different chunks. Now, and- I, I'm going to ask for, for an example. Like, just, you don't have to give all, all five of them, but just an example and what your logic was behind it. For, for anybody who might be looking at it, and, and, and I dare say might actually be considering adding sections that might be able to extrapolate some logic as far as whether they should use a subdomain, right? Which I would consider right. very similar to splitting up as, as you've done, but you just did it across different domains. Um, you know, I, I think people can extrapolate maybe even outside of, of the specific example conclusions from this. What, what is an example of a couple of these parts, why you split them into different parts and then what happened with them? Right. Yeah. Well, and that's a great question because I was splitting things apart because I grouped everything together in one site and they actually didn't belong together. And your point is saying, actually, I could could have brought other things in. So it, it, it works both ways. And the idea of saying, oh, I can split all my content up into different sites and I can dominate lots of different verticals is a fake idea because each domain will be relatively less powerful than the original. But in their own specific sphere, they're liable to be helpful, easily managed, and potentially more powerful. So what I did, and the example would be my podcast. My podcast was part of the company website. And I just said, okay, actually, the podcast is a thing in and of itself. So I'm going to move it to its own domain, and I'm going to treat it as this whole thing. That is run and owned by my company and hosted by myself, but we need to consider it as something different in a very kind of like fundamental manner. And what then happened is there's been a couple of things is one, Google now ranks the podcast better, but it's lost track of where the podcast lives. So what I've now done is lost my podcast entity boxes because Google is now confused because I moved it. So you have that kind of plus and minus is you're saying, I now have to work and it's been two months and I still haven't managed it, is to say to Google, actually, this podcast now lives over here and not where you thought it lived before. So it isn't seamless. It isn't all wins. There's lots of losses along the way and you need to weigh that up. Well, I'm going to make you promise here. And I mean, Okay, you, 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 can, you can delay by, by a few weeks. I won't make you go. It has to be that Thursday. But when you get it back, because I know you will. Like, I, I know who you are. I know what you're, I, I don't know specifically what you're doing. Um, but as soon as you do get it back, uh, I want you to let me know. And you're going to come back. And then at that time, I was going to ask you what you're doing. But I'm like, no, at that time, you can come back and educate the audience here. Because the work that you're doing, I mean, John Mueller on Search Off the Record, a, a podcast we'll be talking about later in the show has shouted you out um, for, for the work you do in the space of knowledge graphs and knowledge panels. So I'll be super interested and I want to pull you back onto the show um, to talk about what you're doing right now and, and why it worked. Right. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting because I'm going to make some mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of what I'm doing is saying I'm experimenting, experimenting excuse me, on myself 
I can make these mistakes because I don't have a client shouting at me or uh, getting upset. Uh, I can actually just try to figure this out. And my whole aim is to figure out what we can do to actually move forwards in a, uh, an efficient and intelligent manner. So yeah, I've made a few mistakes already. Hopefully I'll make some good decisions in the coming weeks and give it a couple of months and it will probably be back. Well, and, and, and for, for, for regular listeners, if you're a business owner, um, you don't really have this benefit, but no. you do have the benefit of being able to read articles by folks like Jason. I like to think that I, I can include myself yeah, and, and other knowledgeable definitely. people um, on the subject who are able to run these tests, but it is one of the big perks to being a site owner who also probably runs multiple other test sites. Like I've got sites that are just meant to like burn to the ground and see how fast they burn and how fast you can might be able to pull them back up again after you do, right? Like that's just what, what we get to do. Um, right. I suddenly feel very stupid because I don't have any of those. I just test live all the time. So oh. I'm now going to take a leaf out of your book and buy some domains and start testing on things <laughs> that don't actually matter to my bottom line. <laughs> there is a, and you know what I, I realized, um, at the beginning of the show, I pulled you in. I was so excited to have you as, as a guest that I didn't go, and he's from, now we've talked about CaliCube a couple times, but I, I need to give you an opportunity to go, and here's what CaliCube does, as, as you know, and, and regular listeners who, who you know, listen while I've had you as a guest know I'm a big fan of your, of your work and, and your product, um, but maybe you can tell people, what is it you do um, at CaliCube? Right, well, CaliCube is incredibly simple, and I can't believe how simple it all is. Is we Google's their exact match name. So for a company, that's obviously phenomenally important because it's bottom of funnel uh, audience. But we also help you to manage your knowledge panel because that's part of that brand SERP, what appears when somebody searches your brand name or your personal name. So the idea is we're going to optimize the left rail the blue links, the video boxes, the Twitter boxes, and we're going to manage what Google shows as fact. I'm doing my inverted commas there in, in the air. On the right-hand side in the knowledge panel, and my perspective is that it's vastly underestimated because it seems very, very simple, and it is very simple, but it's incredibly important, and we need to pay much more attention to how Google presents our brand and our brand message to our audience when they search for us on Google. You know, I, I, I think I've mentioned this and I, I don't know if it's been, well, I've had you on a guest on the show or whether it's just over a pint at a conference that I am <laughs> missing the fact that I, I haven't done that in, in far, far, far too long. Mm -hmm. Even though some of my friends are, are having a great time at PubCon in Florida right now. And I'm just like, Ooh, but, um, it, once upon a time, and this just like full confession here, uh, for, for my audience to go, sometimes Dave's an idiot. Um, you, regular listeners will know it happens a lot, but here, here's just an, an example of it is I remember when I first met you and you were, you were talking to me about what it was you do and, and this sort of like brand SERP. Um, and I, I sort of looked and went, Oh, isn't that adorable? Thinking of it as like this small <laughs> subset of yeah. what, I'm doing air quotes here, real SEO is, right? Like I viewed it as this small subset. Little did I know until I actually paid attention <laughs> that it is actually the starting point of everything that should be searched. Even if you're not 
having a knowledge panel, even if you're just starting out, you, you, you are not at the point of going, okay, I should have a knowledge panel. I should be part of a knowledge graph. You should be working on everything you're working on because it's what reinforces you as an entity, which is what I find humorous about myself there is I already loved entities and didn't clue into the fact that you had already been working in the area I was just academically interested in. I was interested in it from a machine learning perspective. You were actually manipulating what was going on. And, and so hat tip to you for identifying something at a, at a very rudimentary level that actually is far more complex. Like now I've taken your courses, right? And I actually, oh, I'm like, oh, this is, this is hard <laughs> um, and, and very, very useful um, stuff. But um, anyway, just for my listeners to go, sometimes Dave's a total idiot. They probably know it already, but this was an example and, and kudos for identifying a very, very interesting area of, of high importance. That, that, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, I actually, I've been doing this since 2015 when I gave my first talk about it, but I was actually doing it in 2013 and I gave the first talk and at the end of it, everyone's going, wow, that was brilliant. I was going, wow, you've really got the message. Wow, this is great. And they went, no. It was a great show. We got no idea what you were talking about. We've got no idea what the point was, but you look great. And it sounded really, really impressive. And what I then realized is that I was overshooting and talking about things that people didn't necessarily understand and that I had to start much lower. But what was really interesting about that is when you talk about entities, I came to entities from the brand SERP and you've come to the brand SERP from entities, which is brilliant. I liked reading patents, so I entered that way. You went, I care about how I, you were yeah. approaching it from a marketing perspective going, I care what people see when they look me up. Yeah. <laughs> and so should every company. Absolutely right. Um, one thing we, we've talked about, and I, I know we got to jump to a commercial break here, so it'll probably be the last thing I say, but then we'll come back with, with a bunch more yeah. um, stories. We've talked a whole bunch about knowledge graphs, just as, as what you do. Um, something I'm just going to note for our listeners, and then I'll stop like going, you need to just go to CaliCube Pro um, and, and visit what's there. But uh, so I'm doing your sales pitch for you. So you that'll, that'll just save you doing it. Um, there's a bunch of free, pretty sweet tools that I've had to use with clients a lot. Um, and just sort of like with the screen share go, here's how I know that your entity graph is stupid. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is where you're failing, right? Like, no, I mean, I treat myself like a doctor. It's like, it's not that you're stupid. It's that this is how I know where things are failing and I can use your tools for that. But um, one of the things I really love um, while I was going through your courses is it's not just about the knowledge graph. Um, it, it's a, a great uh, set of tools. Well, it arms you with a great set of information um, for understanding not your brand SERP as a knowledge graph, which we talked about, but your brand SERP as a whole, because you focus a lot on, and here's how to make sure that you're basically monopolizing the top 20 with if not your own stuff, stuff you control. Yeah. Um, which I think is 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 also some some great information with with some some sort of tutorials on on how to do that. Um, a lot of it's available free. I recommend like from 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 you on your site. I recommend just like just I did, just take the courses. It'll get you from from A to Z just like a lot faster. <laughs> like time is valuable. Just yeah. take the courses and then go back and then spend that extra time doing stuff and you'll make more money out of it. At least that's my, my approach to, to stuff like that. It's just like, I'll just go straight to the information because I can just make more money doing my job with that information than trying to learn it. Which, which is brilliant. Really quick. I mean, just somebody yeah. actually said to me, don't be afraid of sharing what you're actually having the courses with the wider world because the courses, the point of the courses is not seat times faster than you actually searching for all this information fragmented around the web. Well, indeed. I mean, 
I took math courses in college. It's not that math is something that's <laughs> hidden from the world, <laughs> like, but it's all put in one place in a way that I can understand it, Brilliant. taught to me by somebody who can help. So, uh, okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes, folks. This is Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, joined by Jason Bernard as my co-host this week from CaliCube. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back, everybody. This is Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, joined, as you know, with uh, by Jason Bernard from CaliCube Pro. Um, okay, we, uh, we, we, we've given into a bunch, and, and I've sort of like uh, gushed on, on, on the tools, so we'll, we'll skip that part now. Um, and, and move back off to uh, to uh, to some news here. So um, one that uh, get to mention Barry Schwartz again. Uh, so that's going to be good. So hopefully we can keep that uh, that average count of mentioning him. It's got to be at least three or four times per episode here um, on, on average. Um, user queries help Google determine what to show in knowledge panels. Seems like a fairly decent um, um, sort of sort of segue to to go with here. Um, so I guess maybe, and this is a game, you, you had originally shared this story with me um, ahead of the show. What about this story intrigued you, made it like, this is something I'd really like to talk about? Well, there are actually several things, one of which is the query pool is obviously incredibly important. You follow Bill Slowski, you will have heard it multiple times about the query pool. Um, click-through rate is incredibly important, and we, we can, we'll come to that later on, that how <laughs> click-through rate is actually used by Google, not necessarily in the core algorithm, which is the trick they've been playing on us for years, and it is a bit of a trick. Um, and the fact that knowledge panels are based on what Google thinks, what information Google can collect from around the web to bring together in one little square that will actually summarize the entity for the user. And uh, this is the important point, is save the user multiple clicks to go and find the information on different sites. Now, from a no-click SERP point of view, that's obviously understanding the entity. It's incredibly powerful, incredibly important. Um, and the second point, I mean, obviously, user queries, if you're searching for uh, Jason Barnard and my music albums, 
there will be a tendency for it to show my music albums. If they're searching for Jason Barnard and books, it would tend to show my books, although I haven't written any yet, but I will. Um, but the, the second point, actually, is I think something that Danny Sullivan, when he was replying to Chris Silver-Smith on this question, which is a great question, he skips around. And the fact that what Chris was asking is books have disappeared from a lot of knowledge panels for authors. Why is it? And my theory, and I'm on the road to actually building some kind of reasonable theory about it that can be supported by evidence and data is that Google has multiple verticals for knowledge graphs. It has the main knowledge graph, we, we can now call that the knowledge vault. It has Google Books, and it's a whole vertical that doesn't communicate with the main knowledge graph. And it's in the process. Oh, you also have Google Podcasts, you have Google Scholars, you have the web, you have images, and you have uh, podcasts. And it's in the process of porting moving all of these entities, all of which have knowledge graph IDs, KGM IDs, into the main knowledge graph. And in the process of doing so, what's happening is if you look at Google Books, it's saying, I have an author and I have books, and they're all incredibly closely linked to each other within that vertical. As soon as I move the author across to the main knowledge graph, that relationship or the strength of that relationship is lost. So part of the trick here is that a lot of books are being lost to authors because the authors are being moved into the main knowledge graph and the books are being left behind, or the books are moving with them, but the relationship is weakened because it's not within that kind of vacuum of books alone. And So you might think me, of this sorry. as a, you're now a smaller fish in a bigger pond sort, exactly. sort of aspect where there's more at stake, there, there's more available data. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, you, you've moved from a knowledge graph that contains a billion facts to one that contains 500 billion facts. So you are a much smaller fish in a much bigger pond. And the other fish that you were related to might not have been moved across. So I think there are multiple things going on here, one of which is that Google is trying to merge these different verticals together and there is going to be a period of volatility, and we're, we're going to get freaked out by it. The next few years are going to be fairly freaky. And there is also queries, which also relates to the uh, people also search for, mm -hmm. is related queries to the person or the entity, the, the company will tend to dominate or will tend to influence, sorry, the people also search for. But I would add to that 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 isn't the only signal. There is also a signal, which is the closeness and the strength of the relationship. An example there would be, for example, and how I kind of look at this is saying, I have had Rand Fishkin in my People Also Search for, so I'm related to Rand Fishkin because people presumably search for Jason Barnard and Rand Fishkin in the same breath, let me dream. Um, but I also had my mother, my mother, her name is Westbrook, and nobody knows that she is my mother. Nobody would ever search for her in the same breath as they search for me, because nobody knows related. We have different names. I never, I haven't lived with her for, I mean, she moved away when I was four years old. There is actually no public relationship between us that people could create that query pool 
that would trigger her. She is triggered purely by the fact that she is very closely, very strongly, and permanently related to me by being my mother. Okay, now how, and I, I think I know the answer, but I haven't investigated this specific scenario. How? How does Google know that? Oh, because I educated it. I told it. Oops. Right. <laughs> so, and, and that is the whole point. And I, I think this is this kind of, if anybody's feeling a bit geeked out by that, you can forget everything I just said and focus on Google is a child. We are the educators. It's up to us to educate this child who wants to understand. It just needs us, the educators, the adults in the room, to inform it and to corroborate that with multiple other authoritative sources. So if you think of a child, I say to it, I am Jason Barnard. My mother is Kate Westbrook. My sister is Clio Barnard. I wrote this book. I released that album and I created the characters Boo and Koala. If I say it on my own, the child is going to think, well, maybe, yeah, maybe not. But if the headmaster says it, if the policewoman says it, if the baker says it, if the grandmother, the grandfather, the sister, everybody confirms this information, the child will suddenly understand, be confident it's understood, and will start shouting this information from the rooftops. So let, let's assume that I, I believe, I maybe right or wrong here, but a good starting spot on SEO wasn't when I got my start, but it would be now is understanding exactly who you are, what you do, why you're notable, and then making sure that Google then understands that. Slap up some schema. I should be good, right? I got to just like slap that up in some some. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I think you knew what the answer that was going to be before <laughs> you said it. I would actually say who you are, what you do, and who your audience is. That's the that's the, the triple you're looking for. Because who your audience is is going to play into Google Discover, which is coming, uh, is already here and it's on its way. And what you offer and who your audience is is exactly what Google Discover is working on. It's saying, I know you are potentially interested in SEO or dogs or carrots or whatever it might be. And Google Discover will push that information and it will push the information like a child incredibly proudly because it is confident, is understood what we're talking about. So if you look at Google Discover as this child going, ooh, I can shout about this, how wonderful, then you're going to win the Google Discover game. And the Google Discover game is saying, I need this child to understand who I am, what I do, who my audience is, what I have to offer for every single page. But it all starts with who I am, what I do, and who my audience might be. Um, and the schema markup point is something that I find terribly frustrating, is I've heard people say, Jason Barnard, all he does is stick up schema markup. Anybody can do that. And yes, anybody can do that. It goes beyond that. It goes to corroboration. It's what John Mood was talking about, which is uh, reconciliation. It's that the information about you is fragmented and contradictory all around, all around the web. And the machine is saying, I've got this information, but I can't put it together in one single piece. I've got the pieces of the puzzle, but I can't actually make it into the final puzzle finished, whatever you would call it if you're a right. puzzle. They can't have overwhelming that. confidence to go, this is this. Yes. And it, it actually has trouble putting it all together. But if you actually give it the finished puzzle on your entity home, which is your website, and you say, this is the finished puzzle. Now go around the web and check all the finished puzzle and the bits. You can put it together yourself. And when the, the, the finished puzzle that you've put together as you go around the web, looking at LinkedIn, Facebook, 
Wikipedia, Wikidata, IMDb, uh, Crunchbase, my partner's websites, when that puzzle matches the puzzle I've given you, you as a child have understood and you can be confident you've understood, at which point you can go and shout about that to the rest of the world at the top of your lungs. Now, how does this help? Like, okay, like, and we talk about, like, I do view as, it is probably the first thing I do. Well, actually it is. I shouldn't even say probably. It is one of, if not the first thing I do when I'm looking at a site to actually get started on it, not to look at competition spheres, but to actually get started and go, okay, let's reinforce. Here's who I am. Here's what I am. I add notability. Some sites I do like, oh, okay, you bought and sold this company in the past. Let's make sure that's in there so that that's all like lumped into to who the founders are, whatever. Um, but once we've got all that there, what does that get me? Like, I, I, I'm just going to take a, a quick aside before, before I let you answer and go for our audience. What we're talking about here is the fundamental building block of search. We are talking about reinforcing your entity as it stands, including all of the connections that it has, the connection to Facebook, but also the connection to the founder and what they might've done before, or the connection to, to a wide array. Like you can, you can cast that net as broad pretty much with most schema as you'd like. Um, and then reinforcing those external signals, which I love doing that because you can usually get some links out of it at the same time. Point. But what, when you're reinforcing these, these external signals, we're reinforcing ourselves as an entity other than, yeah, maybe I can get a knowledge graph. Yep. I've probably in that process plugged up the top 20 with like stuff that I control or somehow influence anyway. Um, when that, what, what does that accomplish SEO wise? And I know the answer, like I, I, I love it, <laughs> but is there an SEO benefit? And I'm asking you a leading question because I already know for listeners, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> Is there an SEO benefit beyond that, beyond just going, okay, now I get a knowledge graph and, and yeah, I have a little reputation management in play. Is this an SEO play beyond that? Do entities factor in more than just going, here's who I am, here's what I do, and I'll show you a pretty picture when you look for me? Yeah, entities play in all over the place. And I think kind of when you look at the SERP, you can start thinking today about entity elements in the SERP. The SERP features are divided into multiple groups one of which is the basic, one of which is multimedia, one of which is uh, local, and another which is entities. And each of these will, will fill the SERP and being part of any of them will give you more visibility. And one great example from a competitive point of view, and I do love this because people or companies often think, oh, I'm envious of my competitor. I would like to be on their brand SERP. When somebody searches for my competitor, I would like to be present. And the first thing that happens there is if you are an entity in Google's knowledge graph, you will likely appear in the entity boxes on their brand SERP as a related entity. And that's a great way to squat their um, brand SERP. But beyond that, and, and this is another interesting mad experiment I did, which is if, if Google can understand the parent entity, which is your company, then you can easily inform it about all the children, which is your products. Mm -hmm. And once you've done that, it will trust you. Once it trusts you about yourself, it will start to trust you about your products. And the more you say about your products, you will be able to push those to Google 
in every single aspect of them. So, and, and this is once again, we come back to the child. If, if Google has understood and is incredibly confident it's understood what your products are, and it's understood who you are and that you are a trustworthy um, merchant or provider of services, it's much more likely to rank you higher because what Google is trying to do is to present to its audience, its users, the most effective, relevant, and trustworthy authoritative solution to their problem when they search. So if Google's understood that you're authoritative, trustworthy, and you deliver every time, and you have the content that this user is looking for, that's understanding. Then Google is much more likely to push you to the top of the list when it's recommending the solutions to its users. Yeah, I have like a million different ways to go, but I want to make sure we leave a big chunk for our last part because we're going to be diving into an article you have coming out. So I can't, I can't like totally like drill everything out of uh, out of that piece um, on, on our show today. Um, we're going to talk about um, search off the record, which I touched on earlier. We're going to talk about your take on what, in my opinion, was a very very interesting episode. Um, of their podcast so yeah folks we're going to come back for our, our, our third segment right after this break it's going to be a little longer than normal because we have a lot to cover um, in the meantime enjoy the commercials this is dave davies from beanstalk internet marketing jason bernard from calicube and we'll be right back Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back, everybody. This is Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. Jason Bernard from CaliCube. And, and I, I brought Jason on as, as a co-host, but when I have on somebody this interesting, uh, hmm. I, I just need to, to, to continuously just assault them with questions. So uh, my apologies, Jason, but I'm not going to promise that that ends here because I got a sneak peek at an article that you've written. I've listened to the podcast that, you, that it was inspired by. Um, and so the assault of questions um, is about to continue through this first segment. In fact, it might even get more rapid. And that's why I wanted to take our second break a little bit early so that I could come back and make sure that we had plenty of time uh, to, to, to sort of cover um, you know, the, the, the podcast and, and, and your upcoming article and, and just, just all sorts of stuff. So um, first, I, I'm just going to like touch in, because you'd, you'd mentioned it earlier, um, you'd referred to the term Darwinism. So... Darwinism in search. I mean, I, 
I think I, the regular listeners will probably know I've referred to it that way, but you have a different context. I've gotten when somebody wins, somebody dies. So there we are. That's Darwin. <laughs> like that's sort of like right. a, a simplistic sort of view of, of it. What are, what are you referring to? Like when, when, when you think Darwinism in search, what are you thinking about? Well, I, I actually feel quite embarrassed now because I'm about to say, Dave, you're only looking at the blue links and you're, you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Uh, and that, the reason I feel embarrassed is because you're the person who brought me into entity-based search. And one of my first talks about entity entities in search, I actually had you as a big screen at the beginning saying most of this comes from Dave. Um, and you set me off on a delightful trip of entity-based search. And I do thank you for that. But from that perspective, you've asked a great question, and I know you know that that's not the right answer, as it were. Um, Darwinism in search, the reason I invented or, or I applied the term to what I was talking about was not so much if you go up, somebody else goes down. It's that the rich elements, the SERP features, will live or die by their relevancy and their helpfulness to Google's users. So... The point being is you have a foundation, and Frederick Debu, we were talking about him earlier on from Bing, confirmed this, and they're very open about it. He's a delightful chap. And the foundation is the blue links. And Gary Elias explained this to me as well in Australia a couple of years ago. The foundation is the blue links and all the other elements, for example, knowledge panels, feature snippets, videos, Twitter boxes, image boxes, people also ask, have to bid for a place and the bid isn't a monetary bid it's a bit of value to the user in the circumstances in which they find themselves and the intent that they have expressed so each of these verticals and, and once again i mean I, I talked about verticals in the knowledge graph and and as soon as you say verticals it makes sense everything is built into verticals and you have these different verticals and the vertical the for example the video vertical will say i have a video or two videos that are worth 5,000 points in the bidding system. And the blue link say, well, right, okay, our best blue link has 4,800 points, you'd get the place. So it wins because it has made a bid, it has indicated that the value it can provide to the user of Google in the circumstances they find themselves, mobile, geo, desktop, whatever it might be, and the intent they expressed in their search query, be it implicit or explicit, we can provide more value to them than the blue link that is currently in that position, at which point we get the place. That's Darwinism. Darwinism is the way that Google and Bing make those rich SERPs decide which rich elements, which SERP features get a place and which ones don't. And at that point there, we can come back to what you said, which blue links die. So we have, and I, I, I'm trying not to make too many assumptions here because I, I did listen to the, to the podcast that, that you're talking about, although I, I probably wouldn't have as soon, but I knew we were going to be talking about it because I knew I had the pleasure of having you on um, this week. And I was like, okay, I need to make sure to, to, to have listened to this by, by the time we're chatting. <laughs> what we're talking about here specifically though, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong and, and provide some, some additional insights on top of this, we're not talking about Dave's video ranks we're talking about video as a feature now a different algorithm will figure out which videos but as a feature of a search results page 
video will have so much to bid in this in this imaginary auction. Is that is that right? How I'm understanding that? It, it's actually a combination of the two. Uh, what's really interesting is I have video, and video should be relevant, should be helpful, and should bid. But do I necessarily have the videos that have the value? If the answer is no, they don't get the place. And a good example for that is uh, Minas Merchant, who's the guy at Bing who deals with the video algorithms, said for a search like Britney Spears, videos have a major advantage because Google and Bing know that videos are going to be interesting. But if no videos exist that actually provide the value, if they're all rubbish, they're not going to put the videos in the SERP. So, so the quality of the videos will determine how much that video would have at auction. In, in, yep. this, in this scenario, then that bid amount will decide whether video as a whole exists there. Whether I'm there or not, I'm not optimizing to be there. I would be optimizing for video search, hmm. but this auction to exist in the search results page would be independent of that. Is that, is that right? Yeah, uh, but for something like Britney Spears, video would have right. an advantage. It would have, a, let's say, a bonus uh, a multiplier, let's call it, because we're talking about kind of gaming. So for Britney Spears, they're actively looking for videos, but if they can't find them, they won't put them if the videos aren't of sufficient quality. And what I find really interesting there is that what you can now do is look at the SERP and say, actually, this SERP needs image. It needs video. It needs a knowledge panel. It needs this. It needs a feature snippet, but it doesn't have one. The fact that it doesn't have one doesn't mean to say that I can't get one. It just means to say that the uh, content of sufficient quality does not exist or Google hasn't understood quality of the content that does exist. So uh, one nice trick is to look for places where a video or an image or a feature snippet or a knowledge panel would be useful and create the content that will then trigger it because it's looking for it. And, that, and there's a nice trick is you're saying I'm creating content or I'm packaging my content to suit what Google is actually actively looking for. And the knowledge panel is a great example on a brand set. It wants to put a knowledge panel for your company when somebody searches your brand name. Question so how does is, Google know if it's right? Like it slaps up some video. Okay. How does it know reinforced whether that is or is was or was not a good idea? Like clearly Google would test something out and go, I don't know, let's try video <laughs> and sort of see if that works or not. Yeah, and, and that's what, that, that is a, a brilliant question and it's a terribly leading question. I know you know where that was exactly going, is click-through, right? Um, Gary Lee has said it very, very explicitly uh, last week. Click-through, right, affects which elements will appear, which rich elements, which SERP features will appear. So for example, if they show a video box, if they show a feature snippet and nobody clicks on it or less people click on it or it doesn't seem to be optimal in terms of click-through rate, it will be demoted. And that's where we come into the whole page algorithm, which is what Nathan Chalmers from Bing was talking about. He says very explicitly, we have a whole page algorithm that has an element called Darwin. And ironically, the Darwin algorithm is actually the one that breaks Darwin. It's the one that demotes things with no good reason, that demotes it, that removes it, or promotes something else, despite the fact that it does not necessarily deserve the place. So you have this bidding system, which is great, but you have the whole 
page algorithm sitting at the top, which looks at click-through rate, which looks at user behavior, I would bet my bottom dollar it looks at the way your mouse goes on the page as well. I mean, if we can track that kind of stuff with cheap software or free right. software, Google certainly can do it. So when you're moving your mouse up and down the SERP, do think actually Google's tracking this. And the whole page algorithm will say, the person hovered over it but didn't click. That's a negative signal. So you have the click-through rate that is incredibly important. And Nathan Chalmers from Bing in the series of interviews, and you can read them on Search Engine Journal. I wrote them up because I did these interviews with these guys and they were delightful. And we're going to have another series in September, which is going to be, I hope, even better. And he very explicitly says, we look at click-through rate, we look at historical data, we compile and uh, bring all this together to make decisions about what the perfect SERP looks like for every search query. And the perfect SERP is the SERP that represents the product that Google and Bing want to present to their user. So they're saying, we don't want to leave this to Darwinism. There might be the best videos in the world, but if the users don't want them or they don't fit into what we want to present our users, we will not show them. And we have an algorithm in the case of Bing called Darwin that will kill something that deserved to be there. So Darwinism is semi-dead. Now, regular listeners, you may or may not know this. I got my start back in the early 2000s. Regular listeners will know this back in, in the early 2000s as, a, as an affiliate uh, marketer. So right. not necessarily the most, let's stick to the white hat strategies uh, <laughs> approach to two things, right? You live and died by that green page rank bar. Um, I couldn't help when I was listening to this podcast and, and I, I get their initial, one of their initialization signals for a feature would be when you run a query, do you click over images, news, videos, shopping, yeah. whatever might, might be there as, as a trigger. Now I can't help but think in almost every other area other than just pure search 10 blue links the competition is generally not always but generally lower getting a video ranking mm. is a little easier than getting a number one ranking i couldn't help but think that that early 2000s black hatter of me going well if i want to rank for something really well let's just find the easiest one of those features to target target that one aggressively with SEO strategies, and then just use click spam to just hit that feature in the search result over and over and over again until Google decides to give it a try and then click any given thing in the video, for example, to reinforce that that was the right decision. And now my video ranks, right? Like will be an easier way into the top. Uh, folks, don't try this at home, but I couldn't help when I, I'm listening to it. Do you have, think they have have they predicted some jerk like Dave um, going mm -hmm. out there and trying to abuse this element of their system? Or, I don't know, somebody from Google's listening, are they about to go, oh, crap, this is why we can't give them nice things. They keep breaking it um, and now right. need to go and try and deal with that. Oh, for me, there are a couple of points there. The first one is the one I thought you were going to make, but you didn't, uh, which is that everybody's fighting for blue links. Stop fighting for blue links, fight for videos, fight for feature snippets, fight for knowledge panels, fight for entity boxes, fight for podcast boxes. Create the content that allows you to compete for these easier targets because mm -hmm. Google is actively looking to enrich the SERPs with multimedia content. Create that multimedia content, but also 
so while you're about it, adapt it so it can compete for the blue links at the same time. And one thing that will strike you as soon as you start doing that is you will rank without links for all of these delightful, rich elements. I don't like link building, personally. I don't <laughs> do link building, but I create content that allows me to rank without that in, in, in my little little world. But obviously, I'm not ranking for blue shoes. I mean, I think I, my strategy would die a death if I tried to rank for blue shoes. The second point uh, is, is something Nathan Chalmers told me, which doesn't apply directly to that. But I said, how on earth do you know what the best brand SERP would look like when somebody searches for Jason Barnard? Because you've got so little data because only 10 people, 20 people a day search for my name and interact with SERP. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, well, of course, you're an idiot. We don't use your individual data. We have so much data about so many small people like you, Jason Barnard. Oh, dear, Nathan, thank you. That we can extrapolate from that and build models that understand what it is somebody is looking for when they're looking for somebody within your industry. And this is a really interesting point, and I'd like to just promote CaliCube here, that we do incredibly well, is nail down the entity type the category, and the geo-region. And what we do is say, what is your anti-type, what's your geo-region, and what's your category? If we can get those three, we can tell you exactly what these machines are showing on brand serps, what, what they're looking for within that environment, within that specific entity, category, geo-region environment. And that's what Nathan Chalmers was talking about, obviously on a much bigger scale because they've got a big machine and I've got a very small machine, but that's what he's saying. We understand the entity, the category, to a very granular degree and the geo region, and we base what we provide on that. So, Dave, yes, you can probably trick the machine in the short term, right. but you won't be able to trick it in the long term. And that's the last point I'll make before handing back to you, <laughs> is it's a good idea to look at where these machines intend to go to know whether your tricks will work long term or not, because where they intend to go, whether they're there now or not is where they're going and you need to aim where they're going because by the time you've actually built the strategy to get there they're probably already there and that's that's a recurring message throughout now i, I mean i understand that there's some very creative i mean throughout our, our our the years of our show has always been look at where you're aiming right like yeah. keep your eye where you're going now I get it. There's some very creative black hats that can pivot on a dime and would just like yeah. launch a bunch of bots to do a thing. That's not me. If you're a business owner who cares about your website, focus on where you're going. Focus on where Google's trying to go. I know I used to actually, and much to Mary's chagrin, because she's like, I told you I was right. It just took a couple of years, Dave. I told you I was right. Um, <laughs> was, she loves I used you to, anyway. She, she does. Um, I used to almost mock her for that. I mean, not in like a husband kind of way, like not like in a, a mean person, but she would always just, just keep looking there. But this was the late 2000s. Tricks still worked. You needed to cater to the algorithm. The algorithm didn't cater to you. The algorithm was, you referred to it as a child earlier. It was, it was not, it was just like a dumb calculator that was a little more advanced right? Like at the time. Mm. There was no trust it. It will, it will figure out what's, what's winning. Um, then people like my wife, Mary, Jill Whalen, who was always just like, just write good content. It'll surface. And I would be like, no, it won't. 
Now, this is Darwinism, right? Like you, you need to like blast links at this thing because the rich get richer, right? And that's a scenario I was thinking about when you ended up there because we were talking about Darwin. I'm like, yeah, but you produced a bunch of great content. You made a bunch of great connections. A bunch of people linked to it. Now it ranks. And then because it ranks, it can acquire links. And, and, then, mm. and then it will rank better, right? Like that's, and that is the true dark. Now more rich get richer. It's the capitalist nature of, <laughs> um, of, of search results, right? The, the richer you are, um, the richer you can get. Right. And I, can I just make one last point because we've got two minutes to wrap is I'm betting my farm and I don't have a farm, my house, my bottom <laughs> dollar, whatever you would like to call it. On, you said website, I mm. say brand. Right. I'm betting my farm on the brand because theoretically, and I've proved it with my, or proved it, I've given an indication that this is possible. You can move a brand, an entity, Cali Cube Tuesdays with Jason Barnard, the podcast, from one domain to another and lose absolutely no uh, traction. So the website is not important so much as the brand. If you can nail the brand in Google's little brain, then the website follows. Okay. And that's on that note. And that's a perfect way to end because you're <laughs> going to let me know as soon as we've sort of started to figure things out and you've, you've worked out the problems with some of the move and, and Google sorted yeah. it out. And then you're going to tell us what screwed up, what yep. went great. Um, but listeners, you're just going to have to stay tuned and, and I will let you know, hopefully like a, a bit in advance um, when Jason's going to be on. Um, in the meantime, Jason, thank you so much. You've been an awesome co-host, guest, uh, just just friend to chat with about search. Um, folks, this is Dave Davies thank from you. Beanstalk Internet Marketing, Jason Bernard from Cali Cube. Join us next week. Jim will be back from vacation. <laughs>